Well, if you would turn to Philippians chapter 2, and uh, this morning we're going to be looking particularly at verses 12 through 18, but I would like us to back up to verse 5 so that we have the context here. So, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 18, hear the word of the Lord. Let each of you, nope, sorry, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Father, we... Um, we come and rejoice with you. We share in your deep gladness, in your renewing us into people who look like Jesus and love like him. What an amazing miracle that is that you would do that in us. And this is what Paul is, is talking about. Um, so would you come Uh, Spirit of the Lord Jesus, and shape us today. Even as we sit under your word, uh, shape us by the power of your spirit. Make us more like our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I once had a personal trainer. My notes say, pause for laughter and wait till the shock dies down. Yeah, I I once had a personal trainer. And uh, this personal trainer had a vision for the form or the shape that I would take when he was done with me. I imagine that in some way he wanted me to look a a little more like him. He had his work cut out for him. He gave me a workout regimen, an exercise plan that 
If I would just do what he told me to do, I would achieve fitness. Did you notice that I said I once had a personal trainer? Yeah, that was intentional because clearly I am now not the form or shape of fitness that he intended for me to take. And that's because of two things. One, I, I never really fully bought into his vision for the shape that I'd be in if I followed his plan. I'm going to look more like you (laughs) Yeah, right. And secondly, I I just didn't have the will or the work ethic in me to work out his plan for my fitness. So I I didn't buy into his vision, and I I just didn't have it in me to do it. And so that's why I once had a personal trainer. And so now Paul comes along in Philippians 2.12, And he speaks on behalf of our personal trainer, Jesus. And he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus wants us to obey his plan for us. He wants us to work out the salvation he's given us Work it out in every relationship, in every role, in every responsibility he's given to us. You could say it this way. Jesus wants you to work in your salvation. Work it into every nook and cranny of your life. Work out your own salvation means to work out the implications of what Jesus has done for you to their full completion in every aspect of your life. Work out your own salvation our trainer says. It's the same thing that Paul said in chapter 1, verse 27, when he said, only let your manner of life be worthy of, let it fit the gospel of Christ. And you'll remember, we said that that means let the way you live fit the story of Jesus. Let it fit Jesus. He's after our fitness He wants us to be shaped by the gospel of Jesus into the shape of Jesus. And when I hear this, I feel that same feeling that I I had with my personal trainer. And I, I just said, Lord, you're asking too much of me. You want me to look more like you? That's a lot to ask. That vision is so far out of reach. And And besides, Lord, I don't have it in me to do it. I'm tired. It hurts to obey you. I don't like to sweat, figuratively or literally. Obeying you requires more than I have to give. The only giving I can do right now, Lord, is give up. You ever feel that way? When Jesus says, work out your salvation... Work it out, folks. Do you ever just say, "Ah, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I can. If that's you and it's me, then Jesus has good news for us this morning. He has good news for our weary hearts. Look, there are two little words in this passage. Um, 
that will help us do the heavy lifting that Jesus has called us to do. In verse 12, it starts with the word, therefore. And then in verse 13, there's the word, for. Those two little words frame the command to work out your salvation. Verse 12, therefore, is pointing to something that came before the command to work out your salvation. And in verse 13, the word for is pointing to something that comes after the command to work out your salvation. So they're, they're kind of sandwiched in, the work out your salvation is sandwiched in between therefore and for. So let me, let me try to help us understand what Paul is saying here. I've asked the Flanagan men if they would assist me. And if, if y'all would come on up and uh, stand on either side of this barbell. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try to lift this. Okay. Folks, the total weight of this thing is only 65 pounds. That's all. Watch. Okay, now each of you grab it in, please. Thanks. All right, now you don't have to do it all necessarily, but just, just, just help me out, okay? I'm going to join you. Here we go. One. A little more, please. Thanks. Two. Okay, three. All right, now let's set this down. Ready? Okay. Try to use proper techniques, right? Okay. Now look, over here we have the word therefore. Over here we have the word for. Let me, let me get you, let me make sure you remember this. So if you'll put on your therefore sign, hang it around your neck. If you'll put on your for sign, there you go, thanks. So in, in verses 12 and 13, we've got therefore, and we've got in verse 13, for. In between those, we've got this barbell of work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, right? With me, everything is in trembling, but let me go back to my notes. Um, Paul is trying to show us that when Jesus asks us to obey him by working out our salvation, he's not left us alone to do it. Uh, what Behind therefore, you're good. Behind that word, therefore, see, therefore is pointing back to something that Paul has already said. Um, and behind that, therefore, is a promise. So change your sign. There you go. And, and here's what he said. This is what he's pointing back to in verses 5 through 11, which we just read a little while ago. The promise is that the mindset of Jesus is yours. His vision for, your, for you is yours in Christ Jesus, Paul said. And it's the vision to become like him. Our trainer, Jesus, wants us to become like him. He wants us to take the form of a servant, becoming obedient to our Father to the point of sacrificing our lives as an offering to God for the sake of others. Now, it's different than Jesus' calling because we're not called to save them. Only Jesus can do that, but we're called to serve them, to take the form of a servant, become obedient to our Father to the point of sacrificing our lives as an offering to God for the sake of others. 
And if you look ahead in chapter 2 in verses 14 to 18, this is what Paul is commanding them to do, to be obedient sons and daughters who live by faith as sacrificial offerings and who will therefore shine as lights in a dark world. That's the vision that Jesus, your trainer, has for your life. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it good? Imagine, imagine this nation full of Jesus-shaped men, women, boys, and girls who sacrifice themselves to serve others as an offering to God. Imagine what this world would be like if we were all shaped like him. And in all of Philippians so far, God has promised to do this in us. I'm still on promise. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It's a work that he began in us, and so he will finish it. He finishes what he started in verse Uh, 29 of chapter 1, he said, it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So the vision is a gift to us. It's ours. The vision is that we would not only believe in Jesus, but that we would become like Jesus. We would become one who suffers in sacrificial love for God and others. So all of this, Paul is building up, building up to verse 5 of chapter 2, where he says, have this mindset in yourselves, this vision in yourselves, that is yours in Christ Jesus. God promises that if you are in Christ Jesus, then his Jesus-shaped vision for you is yours. And so, as you work out your salvation, remember his promise. All right, now we have, in verse 13, four over here. And what's behind four? Four is pointing to what's coming, to something else that Paul says we have. So if you'll flip that thing. It's power. We not only have God's promise, we have God's power. Remember how I said that with my personal trainer, I didn't have the will or the work ethic to work out my personal trainer's vision for my fitness? Watch what Paul does, verse 13. He says, work out your own salvation, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. As you are working out your salvation, God is working in you. He's giving you the power to do what he tells you to do. And notice the two things he's working in you. He's working the willing in you. That literally means he's working the want to in you, the desire to do his vision. He's working that in you so that when you don't want to, you can tell him that you don't want to. You can confess that and ask him to give you the want to because he's promised. He's working the want to in you. And then secondly, he's also working the working in you, to will and to work. It's, it's that work ethic that you need to accomplish the deed. It's the spiritual strength you need to do all that Jesus has asked you to do. Paul will say later in chapter 4, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what he's talking about there is having the strength to be content in whatever situation he finds himself. He's talking about obeying his own command in chapter 2, verse 14, to do all things without grumbling or disputing. How do I do all things without grumbling? How am I going to be content in every circumstance? Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he's promised he's at work in me to give me the will and the work to do it. So as you work out your own salvation in every area of your life, rely on his power. Remember his promise and rely on his power. Paul is trying to tell us this morning, because of his promise and his power, we can work it out. John Bunyan was, has been quoted as saying this little poem, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. God's command to us is you must fly. But God's promise and power to us is here are the wings to do it. You make the effort as you remember the promise and rely on the power. Thank you, you may be seated. <laughs> so because of his promise and because of his power, I can do verses 14 and 15. Because of his promise and his power, I can do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I was in Panera working on this sermon on Friday morning, I think it was. And uh, there was a couple that sat down over at this table on my good ear side, so I heard a little bit of what they were saying. And the wife was sitting and the man came and sat down and, and he said, Jeez, except he didn't say that. He used the Lord's name as profanity. Because of this stupid COVID, you have to ask for everything now. They used to just have everything out where you could get it. And I thought to myself, well, and then I thought to myself, ah, that's me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> when a pandemic comes into my life and makes everything hard, everything uncomfortable, everything annoying, yeah, that's me. And yet God says, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you can shine as a light in this world of grumblers as one of my innocent, blameless children. And he says that I am to obey his command to, in the middle of 
everything being hard, everything being uncomfortable, everything being annoying, I am still responsible to consider others as more significant than myself and serve them, looking to their interests and not just my own. And so, but I grumble and I say, how can you expect me to obey you, Jesus, when you make life so hard for me? How can you expect me to love people like you do, Jesus, when my life is full of pain? If you just make everything a little easier, then I could obey you. I'm a grumbler. And yet, because of his promise and his power, he says that I can do all things in a pandemic without grumbling or disputing. Well, what's another way this could look? What else could it look like to lift the barbell of working out my salvation in every area of my life, even when it seems impossible? Consider this scenario. You pull into the driveway after an exhausting day at work. You turn off the car and you take a deep breath. You know that inside the house, you have several cute little tornadoes, a.k.a. your children, who have been running your sweet wife ragged all day, even when she's been trying to balance her full-time job as mom and her part-time job, her company lets her work from home. And you know, you know that like Jesus, you've been called to be a son who serves by sacrificially loving those whom God has given you. Those people in that house. But you're tired. And you'd rather just chill on the couch and have them bring you the remote and a beer. It's so hard at that moment to obey Jesus and without grumbling or disputing, consider them as more significant than yourselves and Look only to their interests and not just to yours. It's so hard to do that. It's so hard to lift that barbell. And so you remember what the Bible says Jesus has done for you, and and then you pray. Lord Jesus, you have a vision for me to serve others as you have served me, considering them as more significant than me, looking out for their interests, not just my own. You have promised that you will complete that vision to shape me, to love like you love and to serve like you serve. serve. You've promised. And now, Jesus, I have to admit that I'm tired. I'm selfish. I don't have the desire or the power to serve my wife and babies right now. But you've promised that you are working in me even now so that by your spirit, I will have the will to do this work you've called me to do. Help me, Jesus, help me. I will do what you've told me to do, even as I trust that you are doing what you've told me you would do. And then you go inside and you lift the barbell, trusting that God will lift it with you. But you say, Jimmy, uh, that sounds great, but that's not typically how I do things. I usually fail. (laughs) The barbell usually crushes me under its weight. What do do I do when I disobey? What, What do I do when I fail to work out my salvation in every 
part of my life? Well, repent. Confess to Jesus that you haven't been remembering his promise or relying on his power. Confess it to him. He knows it. He's not shocked. Confess that you've pushed Jesus away from both ends of the barbell and you've tried to lift this thing on your own. Admit that you're powerless and that you don't trust his promise or his power as true or trustworthy. You just don't. And then do what Paul says in verse 16. He says, we do all this. We live as obedient children and sacrificial offerings as we hold fast the word of life. Hold fast. That's the gospel. That's the story about what Jesus has done for us, is doing in us, will do with us. Hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to the good news about what he promised he has accomplished for you and will accomplish in you. He came in human flesh and took the form of a servant, knowing full well that you would fail him. This is precisely why he came. He came and was obedient his whole life because you wouldn't be. He was obedient to the point of death on a cross to pay the penalty for your disobedience. Your failure has not taken him by surprise. He came because of it. He came to forgive it. He came to redeem it for the glory of God, his Father and your Father. Hold fast to that word of life, to that promise. And hold fast to the good news about his present power in you as you lift the next barbell he gives you. And as you work out the love and lordship of Jesus into into the all things of your life, know that if you have, that you do have his present power to desire it and to do it because the spirit of Jesus lives in you to desire it and do it. So ask him, Make me want this and make me work to do this. There was something about that personal trainer I once had that I didn't trust. It was personal training, but there was nothing personal about it. He had no personal interest in me. He couldn't even fake personal interest in me. Some people can, but this guy couldn't do it. He had no relationship with me, nothing invested in me. He was just a guy that I hired. For him, it was a paycheck. It wasn't personal. So why should we trust Jesus, our trainer? We can trust him because he went first. He completed all the training. And as Hebrews 5.12 tells us, although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. If he went through all that to form us, to fit his image, then his vision for us must be good, and it must be good for us. We, We can trust that. We can trust him because he didn't wait for us to request his help. He didn't wait for us to hire him. 
He paid for everything himself. We can trust him. We can trust him because he not only did all the heavy lifting, he still does. And when we wanted nothing to do with him or with his vision for us of the best version of us, when we wanted nothing to do with any of that, he died to redeem that very rejection. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us for not trusting the vision that you have promised is ours in Christ Jesus. Forgive us for not relying on the power that you've promised is in us by the power of your Spirit. And help us to turn again and hold fast to the word of life, to the good news that you loved us even when we weren't willing to obey. You obeyed for us. And you obey in us. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, that is such good news and you are such a good, good, good Savior. Would you come and and make us trust you even as we lift the barbell that you give us to lift. It's in Christ's name and for your sake, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.